to Jesus. Oh, it was another great time in God's presence. I want to welcome you to God's presence again today. Um, we're continuing on our lesson series, Knowing the Words and the Life of Jesus. I believe you've been blessed thus far. It's been a Friday series and we've been learning so, so much. Um, we thank God for this opportunity and um, we thank God for the privilege to always be here with you. It's a privilege, it's not a right, and we do not take it for granted. Amen to Jesus. All right, it's all about knowing Jesus, knowing more about him, because that's what basically we are here doing. We are knowing him more. Um, the more we know him, the more we become like him. Praise God forevermore. Quickly, we'll say a word of prayer and then we'll go into the world for today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we celebrate you. The Father, we glorify you. Thank you for another opportunity to share fellowship again. We give you praise and glory. We recognize your presence and we ask that you alone be glorified, Jesus. Let no flesh glory yourself. Give us understanding. Grant us revelation to be. Teach us. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, like we said, we've been studying the life and the and the and the words of Jesus, and it's been awesome. We have been we're using the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're starting off with Matthew, Amen to Jesus. Now we are actually in Matthew chapter four. All we are doing now is we are studying the words of Jesus, and we began with Matthew, and we're in chapter four of Matthew, and we've studied quite a few of the words, every every phrase and every word as it were, he spoke, Jesus spoke, as rendered by the. Um, Apostle Matthew, praise God forevermore. All right, now today we are going to be continuing on what we began last week, Friday. Uh, we are on the six words of Jesus, and that is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Praise God forevermore. It says, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Last week we studied a little on follow. Like I've always encouraged us and told us that um, what I'm doing here is just an ignition. And that is to ignite uh, a fire in you to go study and get more understanding and revelation. To be my great joy to get your feedback, to get your questions, to get um, what, the, what the Holy Spirit is teaching you concerning a line of study. Uh, we are here to learn from each other. No one knows it all. We all see in a glass and we know in parts. No matter how much you know, you know in parts. No matter how much you see, you still see in a glass. I still see in a glass, I still know in parts. So that's why we are challenging ourselves, we are sharpening ourselves with the world. Alright, so we, st we started on follow last week and today we're going to be going further amen to jesus and we're studying on i will amen to jesus now in our previous lesson we learned that follow me is a command and a direction follow me is a command and a direction and a directive now the command was an order and the direction was the details on how to carry out the command successfully we learned that last week praise god forevermore now for jesus he gave the command immediately to his prospective disciples and gave directives to them later. He gave the commands immediately, but he gave the directive later. Praise God forevermore. Now, this is the same way Jesus gets his disciples till today, till, for, till, his, till his second coming. That's the same approach he uses. It has not changed and it cannot change. Now, he commands and he gives directions to his disciples. In other words, for his followers, to his followers for, for a lifetime. So you don't just get the command and immediately get the directions. No, that's a lot of people have a problem. They don't understand that walking with Jesus is a journey. You have to go together with him. We say, um, we, uh, we hear a lot of people who they want to get directions from God instantly, instantly, instantly. No, he gives commands, and in the command he gives directions. Now, if you if you hear the command but you don't hear the direction, you will not see achieve the command. Are you get what I'm saying? If you hear the command and you do not get details 
of the directions and directives. You cannot see fulfill the command. A lot of people who just run with the command and they get stuck at the middle of the road. And number two, the reason why God, why Jesus does is because He wants to maintain a relationship with you. If He just gives you the command and He gives you directive immediately and direction, immediately, you don't need Him any longer. Are you get what I'm saying? So you can run it without Him. But Jesus needs you to run with Him because the actual fact is that you don't know the journey, you don't know what's ahead, you don't know how to navigate the journey of life and the journey of of, of, of following Jesus. So he, you need to keep following him day by day, hour by hour, second by second, minute by minute. And that's where directives comes in. Amen to Jesus. And that's why it's important for us to know the voice of Jesus. Praise God forevermore. I remember once I was evangelizing and um, a, a gentleman asked me, how do I know the voice of God? And I asked him, how do you know the voice of your mother? And he said, yeah, I can know her voice because she gave birth to me. I stayed, uh, She trained me. I was there for a, a number of years so I can know her voice. I said, beautiful. And he said, I said, so if you, if you, if, 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 you, if you, you call your mother now and someone else picks the phone, will you know? He said, yes, I will know. And I said, well, I said, because of the time I've had with him. And same applies to Jesus. It's time and relationship over time that helps us know his voice, that helps us know the directives per time. By the help of God's grace, as missionaries in this field, we have been hearing directives from the Lord Jesus time and again. Sometimes you just think that when you get the command and that's the end, you just go and it will also happen. Whoop, it doesn't work like that. It's no magic, it's not abracadabra. You need to keep following directives. And finally, the accumulation of directives followed results in a command that manifests the result. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. That's the way it operates. And now also, also the other reason why we must have a good relationship with Jesus is, is that People can fake voices. We are, we know, we hear people who fake people's voices. There are people who can fake people's voices. Praise God forevermore. Now, but if you have a relationship with the person, you will know when the person is speaking a line that is not in his normal, that is not his line. Praise God forevermore. No matter how much you fake somebody, you cannot be able to fake his whole life, his whole lines, and his whole operations. Praise God forevermore. Now, it was that serious that when I was a child, when I was in the room and my mother is passing through the back of the, um, the, the veranda, I knew her footsteps. So if I'm doing anything silly, I stop because mommy is coming. Praise God forevermore. This is a relationship that Jesus wants from us. Where we can have a close relationship with him. That we can be able to know his lines. The Bible says in the end time, false prophets shall arise. It says that the devil shall come masquerading himself as an angel of light. So that's why you see false teachers. They are false prophets. The devil masquerades himself as an angel of light. So if you don't have a relationship with God, with Jesus, and know his lines and his operations, the devil can easily beguile you like he beguiled if um, false teachers and false prophets can easily deceive you. Praise God. That is why we must know Jesus with his words, his commands, and his directives. There are things that Jesus never tells you to do. When somebody tells you to do it, then you know that it's out of it. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, now um, uh, with this, we understand that Jesus gave strangers, that is his prospective disciples, he gave them a command and they immediately followed him. He just met this way for the first time he saw Peter and said, oh, follow me, and they followed him. James and Andrew, follow me, and they followed him. James and John, sorry, and they followed him. Strangers. He met them the first time, gave them a command, and they followed him. Praise God forevermore. Although they knew nothing about him, they still followed him. Now, uh, this gives strikes a striking question because I believe everybody wants the power of influence. Everybody wants the power to, to be able to speak to people without speaking twice, and they are following. Amen. Praise God. I believe you want that. Everybody wants it because in this life, we are all selling. 
you know me or another, we are selling something. So you, as I, I did a marketing job, and I know what marketing entails. You speak to somebody the first time, it doesn't always get down with the person the first time. You have to do follow-ups and follow-ups. Sometimes the, the client, the prospective clients, intentionally frustrates you. Sometimes they don't just want to, they just they don't, they don't want to buy your product, but they just want to frustrate you. Why some they are interested, but they really want to get to know the details. So you have to follow up and follow up and follow up and follow up. But I believe everybody wants a situation where you just speak to somebody once and the person listen, even though you are a stranger. Praise God. And um, how did Jesus get this? This, this brings a striking question to us. Why was Jesus' command so compelling? Why was this so compelling? Why? And I believe you're asking that same question. I, 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 I asked the question. And that's the, that's the purpose of this study. We'll be getting the answer gradually. Praise God forevermore. And the reason why Jesus' command was so compelling is seen in the phrase he made after he gave the command. What is that phrase? I will make you fishers of men. Follow me was not enough. If he had just said follow me, they wouldn't have followed him. The reason why that follow me command and direction was compelling was because he said, I will make you fishers of men. Now if you look at this phrase, there are three there are three, um, let me use the word, uh, uh, there are three um, um, promises here. Praise God forevermore. There are three promises here. First is, I will. Second is, make you. And third is, fishers of men. So, we have, I will, make you, fishers of men. And in the course of this study, we are going to be studying these three. I will, make you, fishers of men. Now, so today we are going to be studying on, I will, I will. Now, um, I will is a personal commitment to act. It's a personal commitment to act. I will is a personal commitment to act. This commitment may either be triggered by choice or duress. Yeah, it can either be tr triggered by choice or by duress. But it's a commitment to act. Whether it's triggered by choice or it's triggered by duress, it's still a commitment to act. Praise God forevermore. For Jesus, it was triggered by choice. Amen to Jesus. Now, when I will is triggered by choice, it is called a promise. It's called a promise. Now, in the court of law, when someone is made to do something against his will, but that choice was forced on him, it is called duress. And he has a legal ground in court to say, I was forced into this choice. It was not my intent, in, in, um, initial choice. I was forced, forced into it. So I did it because of duress. And then he had the legal ground in court to stand on. Now, but Jesus did this what? On his own volition, on his own choice. So when something is done in this manner, it's called a promise. This means that Jesus, who was a stranger, gave them a promise and they believed him. Wow. Another, another striking uh, thing to note here. First, he was a stranger. He gave them a command. And when he gave them the command, follow me, they believed him because of three promises he made. I will make you fishers of men. Are we together? Now, second, they believed him, even though he was a stranger, when he promised them. So now we need to understand the first reason we have understood, but the second reason, why would they believe the promise of a stranger? How many of you believe the promise of a stranger? I won't. Even the promise of, a, of, of somebody you know is still for one thing. Amen. Then what about a stranger? So what will make them believe the promise of a stranger? There must be something about Jesus and his promise that made his disciples believe him before knowing him. Wow. 
Actually, people want to know before they believe. And you get what I'm saying? Now, when we talk about believing, we're talking about even trust. Because these guys entrusted their life into Jesus. They trusted Jesus and entrusted their life to Jesus. I remember I was watching a movie of this uh, when Jesus called disciples. And when he called um, about four of them, that's the first um, two sets of brothers he called. They were, they were having um, a, 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 they were together in the night and they were um, roasting fish. And then one of them asked Peter, so what's next on this? Peter said, I'm not, I'm not going back to fishing again. No. I don't know what next, but I'm just going to follow this man who has called me. And I know that even time and again, they will say, oh, Jesus, and they will say, he's the, he, you are the son of God. When he made Peter's, when he told Peter, lay down your net, and Peter laid down his net, and they caught a great number of fish, Peter said, oh, you are, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. Depart from me, I'm a sinner. You are the son of God. These are people that ah, they were following, but in court, they didn't even know who they were following. And that was even when they were following now, this is before they even started following. They didn't even know him at all, but they still followed. There was something about this promise. Praise God forevermore. Amen to Jesus. Now, what was it? What was about this promise? What was about this promise? Um, um, in order to answer this question, we first, we first get clarity on some concepts. Amen to Jesus. We get clarity on some concepts. For us to be able to answer this question. So this teaching is going to take some time. Amen to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now the first concept we get clarity on is the promise of God. Or the promises of God. Number two, what is a promise? Number three, the power of the promise. So I have to get clarity on these concepts. Amen. Then we can now go back to answering why they believed a stranger at his command. Amen. So it's a journey. Please Travel with me. I will trust God for understanding in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, thank you for His revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's look at the promises of God. The Christian faith, not religion. Christianity is not a religion; it is a faith. Um, the word Christian, like we've always said, is the word is a Greek word Christano, which means a follower of Christ. Praise God forevermore. Now, so it's actually the, the, the word Christian depicts disciple. Disciple. So Christianity is not a religion; it's the act of following Christ. And that is faith on its own. Amen. Now, so the, the, the Christian faith is built on three major promises made by God, which he, he has fulfilled. Our, our faith is built on these three major promises and he has fulfilled them. All other thousands of promises in the Bible are built on these three promises. Now, there are, there are thousands of promises in the Bible. Um, some say there are about 8,000 promises in the Bible, going from Genesis down to Revelation. There are thousands of promises in the Bible. But now, there are three cardinal promises in the Bible. There are three anchor promises in the Bible. There are three foundational promises in the Bible. And every of these other promises are built on these three foundational promises. And we're going to be quickly looking at these promises so we can understand what our Christian faith is all about. Praise God forevermore. What are these three promises? Number one is the promise of the Savior Redeemer. Um, amen. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3 and we see this in Matthew fulfilled. Then number two is the promise of, of the blessing or the promise of prosperity. The promise of the blessing or the promise of prosperity. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 24 verse 1 it was fulfilled. And then number three is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Joel chapter 2 verse 8 and we see it fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 down to four. And let's look at the promise of the Savior Redeemer. Now this promise was given by Yahweh, God the Father himself, to Satan in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. Look at it here. And the Father spoke to Satan. He said, he gave him this promise. He said, and I will. You see, when you see the word I will there, it speaks of what? Promise. I remember the Lord told me something some, some years ago. He told me, whenever you see in scriptures, I will, it is not a prayer point. It is a collection point. Amen. So when you go through scripture and say the Lord says, I will do a new thing. 
Shall you not know it? It's not time to say, Lord, do anything. No, he said, I will. It's his promise. He gave the promise on his own volition and his choice. So it is not your job to tell him to do it. He said he will do it. So your job is to do what? Is to collect. So you position yourself for the new thing to manifest in your life. So when you are studying your Bible, anytime you see God say, I will, it's not a prayer point. It's a collection point. What do you do? You, you, you infuse your faith into that promise and collect it. I believe that word is for somebody. You might have been praying the promises of God. You don't pray them. You cannot pray the promise of God to manifest. It's his promise. His promise, the fulfillment of his promises rises and falls on him, not on you, not on me. We can't pray his promise to manifest. He does his promises, he manifests them. So our job is simply to do what? To, to, to channel our faith into his promise. Praise God forevermore. And look at what the, what the father told. Um, and you see, when God promises you can go to bed, that's the truth because the fulfillment is not based on what you do or what you don't do. It's based on what he has said. And he will do it whether you like it or yes. Are you get what I'm saying? You can't stop God. You can only stop yourself. Are you get what I'm saying? Amen. Now, Genesis 3, verse 16, the, the, the father promises the set, um, uh, Satan, he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Now, if you look at the, 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 the female, the woman, the devil is, uh, is an act enemy of the woman. The devil is not more of an, an enemy of the man like he is of the woman. So you hear things like, after God, fear woman. Oh, women are, um, are this. Women are that. Marriage is a necessary evil. The reason why you hear such things is simply because the Lord promised to put enmity between the devil and the woman. And that is the reason why you can see that gender inequality, the, the society is always against the woman, the, the, female, the female gender, always against the woman. Everything is, is pressing the woman. Everything is against the woman. They tell you it's a male world. And just the, the reason for all that is because God told, made the promise, I'll put enmity between you, you and the woman. And he did that. Amen. And he said, and between thy seed and thy seed. Our major emphasis is the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of um, what? Of, 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 of Satan. And that's why you see that um, the seed of Satan is always against the woman. Amen to Jesus. Even the seeds are against the woman. Then our major emphasis is here. It says, it shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen to Jesus. He shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed of the woman here was to bruise the head of Satan. And Satan was to bruise his heel. And who was this person? It was a person of who? Of Jesus Christ. The father fulfilled this promise. How did he fulfill this promise? First, he brought Jesus to earth by a virgin birth without the involvement of a man. This made him the seed of a woman, not the seed of a man. Now, if you check the word seed there, praise God forevermore, in the Hebrew, the word seed there, it actually, it actually means, it actually means um, the, 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 the sperm of a man, what brings about conception in a woman. Now, but if you look at the seed of a woman, the woman does not have seed. She only has offspring. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the offspring is the end product of the seed of a man. Without the sperm of a man, the words in the, in the Greek, the word seed is the word sperma. Where the word sperm is gotten from, spermatus, where it's gotten from. Amen. Without the sperm of a man, you cannot get the offspring of a woman. Praise God forevermore. So how would it have been possible for a woman to get a seed, an offspring, without having what? A sperm. Praise God forevermore. Now, also, um, um, a woman cannot have a sperma. Amen. That means she cannot have a seed. 
Even in um, artificial insemination, a man's seed has to be inseminated, inserted into her. So this was a puzzle for the devil. Amen to Jesus. And we can see that God did it here. The Father did it here by what? Making a virgin conceive. And she conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit planted the seed of God in the woman. The sperma of God in the woman. Without the involvement of a man. Why? Because the sperm of a man carries the nature of a man. And the nature of the fallen man is the nature of sin. If it gets in contact with the, with the, uh, with the womb of a woman, the over of a woman, it, it produces sin. It produces the nature of sin. And God never wanted a sin conception. He wanted a holy conception. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 34 to 35. It says then, then Mary said, if you read the verse, the preceding verse, it talks about the angel Gabriel came to her and told that she shall conceive uh, uh, and bear a child. Amen. She just and said, the 34, 34 says, then said the angel unto Mary. Then said Mary unto the angel, sorry. It says, how shall this be seen? I know not a man. The angel replies, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, you see, he specifically called the child the holy thing. Every conception that is done by man is an unholy thing. Whether you are born again or you are not born again, it's an unholy thing. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to you. Because nature is still at work. Amen to Jesus. Now, it says that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the first step the Father used in fulfilling this prophecy was what? To make Mary conceive of the Holy Spirit. A holy thing which is Jesus so it was a virgin birth not of the corruption of man secondly he allowed Jesus to be beaten and cru crucified thus his heel was bruised you know by promise um, um, the devil he said you, he shall, you, shall, you shall bruise his heel and he shall bruise your head so he allowed Jesus to be beaten and crucified that was the bruising of his heel you know the truth believe it about it physically they were scourging his body he was his head was beaten they, they beat him and he, his, his, his head was beating pulp Amen. His head was swollen. His body was it was shredded that he could even see his bones. He could see his bones. But while they were doing that, the actual fact was that it was not his body and his head they were bruising. In the realms of the spirit, it was just his heel they were bruising. Now you get what I'm saying? Now when you bruise a heel and when you bruise a body, which is more painful? It is the body that is more painful. When you bruise a heel, the treatment you can you can you can you can you can see get to do a lot of things but the way jesus was caused he lost so much blood praise god forevermore so when the devil was bruising him like crazy he never knew that he was just bruising his heel <laughs> hallelujah to jesus that's that's the way the father plays his, his game with the devil and always makes a fool out of the devil now look at mark chapter 15 verse 15 to, and 25 says and so Pilate, willing to con content the people released Bar Bar and barabbas unto them and delivered jesus when he had caught him to be crucified and it was the third hour and they crucified him so he scourged him and crucified the scourging and the crucifixion of jesus was the bruising of the heel of jesus in the realms of the spirit praise god forevermore and then thirdly and finally jesus resurrected from the dead which was a final crush on the head of, of satan this was the crush of the head on the head of satan so the promise of um the seed of the woman was in the conception of mary by the holy spirit amen the virgin birth and very conception and very bad number two the the bruising of the heel of jesus was in his was in was in his um scourging beating and crucifixion 
Amen. To Jesus and even the crown of tongues on his head. Every pain they, they afflicted on him was a bruising of the head of those. And then the bruising of the head of the serpent of the devil was when Jesus resurrected. Praise God forevermore. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6 says, He is not here for his reason. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lived. So we see that the Father fulfilled that promise. Praise God forevermore. And our Christian faith is built on this promise. The, uh, John said it in Philippians chapter 1, he says, verse 1, he said, the things that we have seen, our eyes have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Twelve men were died. Twelve men died for this testimony. Sorry, ten, um, eleven men, um, ten of which saw Jesus um, physically and were with him because Apostle Paul was a replacement. As I went together, um, um, the, uh, for, 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 for Judas, but Nathaniel also came in as a, as a chosen But 11 men died for this testimony. No one dies for a lie. People die for evidence. They died for it. We saw him. He resurrected. We went to his tomb. We saw that he was no longer there. I know the beauty about the resurrection of Jesus is that when he resurrected, when um, uh, eschatology makes us understand that when the, Mary and um, they, they, they saw the angel, they quickly ran back and said he was resurrected. Now Peter and some of the disciples went to confirm with their eyes. When they went, they saw the the grave clothes just sink in. They were not on, they were not unwrapped. Are you getting what I'm saying? They sank in as though um, Jesus evaporated from them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if they were unwrapped, the people would have still had a case to say, oh, they unwrapped him and they took away his corpse or whatever. But now, when God does this thing, he does it to precision and perfection. The grave clothes sank in as though Jesus evaporated. So he actually came out. <laughs> he became a, a glorified body. He just came out of the, and of the clothes and the clothes sank in. Now, so the Father fulfilled this promise. And then the next was the promise of the blessing. That's the promise of the blessing of prosperity. Now, this was not the gift of the blessing. Are we together? God gave to Adam in Genesis 1, 28. Now, in Genesis 1, verse 28, God gave Adam the gift of the blessing. Are you getting it? He gave Adam the gift of the blessing. Now, but after Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God didn't give the gift of the blessing again. He gave the promise of the blessing. Now, why do I say so? If, 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 I'll, make us, I'll, see, I'll make us understand between the gift and the promise of the blessing as we go on. Now, um, um, the promise of the blessing was given to Abraham in Genesis about 12, verse 1 to 3. And on the grounds that Abraham leaves his father's house. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now look at Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and unto a land that will shield thee. And I will make thee a great nation. On the grounds of you getting out. If you don't get out, I'm not making you. And I'll make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says God created Adam, and in the next thing, he blessed Adam. In, in, in the preceding verse of Genesis chapter 1, he blessed all the other creatures. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. In Adam, he had um, have dominion and subdued. Now, they didn't have to fulfill any requirement for them to be blessed. But now, after Adam fell, it, it does show that he did not appreciate the gift of the blessing. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the next time God had to enact the blessing, man had to do something. I want to ask you understand something also. Go through the case of Noah. Noah, God told him, build an ark, and then uh, for send down rain, 
to destroy the earth. Abraham built, uh, sorry, Noah built the ark for 120 years, and after that, the, um, he entered. God told him to go in. He went in with all the animals, and then God closed the ark, and the rain began to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. The, the depths of the earth opened, and it killed, it destroyed every living being on the earth and living creatures. And then the Bible says, and when the ark rested, um, when Noah came out of the ark, the Bible says, the Lord blessed the same blessing that God gave to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. He gave it to Noah again. Now, but this time around, we can see that there was a condition Noah had to meet before the blessing came. It was because Adam abused the gift of the blessing. God had to make sure that the blessing came on the grounds of fulfilling the condition. Same thing he repeated in Abraham. In Abraham. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, there's a gift of the blessing which God gave to Adam, which Adam needed to fulfill no condition to get. But after the abuse of the gift, God gave what? The what? The promise of the blessing, which is what? Based on the fulfillment of an instruction. Are you understanding it? Amen. And if you see, Abraham left in verse 4. The Bible says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Aram. So in Genesis chapter 4, Abraham departed. And we look at in Genesis about 24, verse 1, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. The Bible says in Genesis about 24, verse 1, it says, And Abraham was old and was stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham. Abraham in all things. So you can see there's a difference between the blessing God gave to Adam and the blessing that God gave to Noah and then above all to Abraham. The blessing to Adam was a gift. It was abused, but the blessing to Noah and to Abraham were promises based on the fulfillment of conditions. When man fulfilled the condition, then the promise was manifested. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Now, this blessing has also come on all Gentiles. Are we together? Who believe in and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We see this in Galatians 3, verse 13 to 14. You see that? Now, um, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the cross of the law, being made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on the tree. You see, now, after the blessing God gave to Abraham, now there was, a, there was still a cause that was placed on the earth, amen, to Jesus, by, by God, due to the sin of Adam. But now Jesus had to come to redeem us from that cross. There was still a tax to be done. The blessing did not come as a, as, a, as a gift now. Because after Adam's sin, the gift of the blessing was what? Ended. The blessing had to now come on the grounds of what? A fulfillment of a tax. It came as a promise on the grounds of fulfillment of a tax. Noah fulfilled the tax. Abraham fulfilled the tax. And Jesus even had to fulfill a tax for the blessing to come unto us as a Gentile. What of that tax? He redeemed us from the cost of the law. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? So it no longer became a gift. It now became a promise that was to be appropriated on the grounds of the fulfillment of the tax. Praise God forevermore. The Bible says, that, then verse 14 says, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And we say that. So God fulfilled the promise to Abraham in Genesis 24 verse 1 so that he had fulfilled it. And now he fulfilled it also to every Gentile who believes in the Lord Jesus because Jesus met the conditions, which was what? Redeeming us from the curse of the law. Are we together? So that promise has been fulfilled. And now the third promise, that's the second promise on which the Christian faith is built on. Amen. So we see the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the blessing. You cannot say you will live the Christian faith without being blessed. No, it's impossible. If you are not blessed, you are cursed. 
And the proof of the course is that everything is against you. Nature has dominion over you. I'm not teaching that now. It's one of our teachings. You can go over to Anchor Radio. Um, go over to Grace Life Komi. You see our teachings that you can go through those teachings. Amen. And now the third promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. We see it, um, uh, um, God, gave, the Father gave this promise through the prophet Joel to humanity in Joel chapter 2 verse 28a. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. He gave that promise. Are we together? Now God fulfilled this promise when he poured his Holy Spirit in um, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. Amen to Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Now, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them, cloving tongues like a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, so in Acts chapter 2, the manifestation of this was made manifest. But the actual fact is that where the Spirit was poured out was when Jesus gave up the ghost. As he gave up the ghost, then the Holy Spirit, that was when the era of the Holy Spirit was initiated as he gave up the ghost. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because what I was saying with his disciples, his Bible said he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. But now that breathing was the release upon the disciples only. When he gave up the ghost, the Holy Spirit, his era began. Then he manifested in Acts chapter 2. So the outpouring was on the cross when Jesus gave up the ghost. But the manifestation began in Acts chapter 2. Praise God forevermore. Now, thus, the Holy Spirit is no more the promise of the Father. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is no longer the promise of God. We see here who says the promise of God. No, he is no more the promise of God. He was once the promise of the Father. He is no more the promise of the Father. Now, he is the fulfilled promise of the Father. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. So, the prospective disciples of Jesus followed him at his first call, though he was a stranger, on the grounds of his promise. Yet, he had not told them he was one with the Father, and he had not told them he was God. Still, they followed him. Why did they follow Jesus without having this information? They had not had the information that he was one with the Father. They had not had the information that he is God. Even Jesus, when he said, who do you say I am Jesus? Um, um, some say you are Elijah, some you, are, you say you are John the Baptist. And he asked Peter, who do you say I am? He said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. And then in flesh and blood, that don't be to you. It was in their, in their course of the relationship, as he was discipling them, that Jesus, Peter said this. I get down to him. But at this point, they had not even known nothing about him, yet they followed him on the grounds of his promise. Why did they follow Jesus, even without having all the necessary information? We will get to find this out in our next teaching. So, next week Friday, come for us to get how do we, why they were able to still follow Jesus, even though they didn't know he was one with the Father and he is God. In other words, they didn't know it was God giving them the promise, yet they still followed him. Why did they still follow Even though they did not know that it was God giving them the promise. Next week, we will get to know this Let's go ahead and pray. Let's go ahead and thank God for the word you have heard. Thank Him for the understanding of the promises of God. Thank Him that these promises are yours and they are forever. He has fulfilled them so you can have them. Amen. Go ahead and thank the Lord for that. Go ahead and thank the Lord for that. Appreciate Him for that. Appreciate Him for that. Amen. Now, before I pray for us, I want to pray for everyone person who has not made Jesus a Lord and personal Savior. Please, if you've not done that, you are you you cannot appropriate. The, 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 the salvation of Jesus, you cannot pray the blessing of God. You cannot be blessed. You are still cursed. No matter how rich you are, you are still cursed. 
and you cannot enjoy the Holy Spirit. If you know you want to enjoy this, come on, say this prayer after me. I'll plead with you to do it if you want to do it. Now let's say, say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died and resurrected for me. And on Calvary Street, you shed your blood to take away my sins. Jesus, I make you my Lord and personal Savior today. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I choose to serve and follow you the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I pray for everyone who has made this prayer. I pray that, Lord, the grace to follow you is released upon them. I thank you for accepting them, your beloved. And you shall serve and follow you the days of your life in the name of Jesus. Now I want to pray for everyone. Person, Lord, I pray for everyone who has understood the workings of the promise. I ask, Lord, that we plunge in our faith, we channel our faith into your promises, and we get all there is you have provided for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time once again. God bless you. See you next week, Friday, for the continuation. Thank you.